Hey, Amanda. Hey, Tommy. Hey, are you, you want to go on a vacation? I do. Where are we going? Well, there's a resort that prices are great because there's been a couple murders at multiple locations of theirs. So we got a great deal. Anyone famous going to be there? Uh, Jennifer Coolidge just going to be. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. If All she's right. there, I'm in. All right. We're going to go to the White Lotus. Uh, and that's what we're going to talk about today. And can we talk about... Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You need to drain the sack. They say that. Mm-hmm. Common knowledge. God, it just seems like the body would naturally stop getting horny once you're past the age of procreation, you know? Like at 50, you would just stop. 50? 50? 50's not that old. It just seems undignified. I'm still virile, by the way. I could still impregnate a woman. Oh. No girl should have to be exposed to an old guy's junk. It's not like it was ever so beautiful to look at anyway. I mean, it's a penis. It's not a sunset. Can we talk about The White Lotus? Oh my God, yes. You are the one that convinced me to watch a show. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I, well, what's funny, too, is I was not going to be in on this show. I was, as we've talked about in the past, I'm the kind of person that if it gets too mainstream and popular, I I shun it. Like, it's just like, ah, uh, too many people are talking about it. There's too many opinions and, and things. And I kind of, you know, shy away from it. But I think the thing that pulled me into this one was I kept hearing really good things from people I trust and then also the cast. I think, uh, and we professed our love for Aubrey Plaza in the past. Yes. She's in this. And that was, I think, probably my draw to be like, all right, I'll check this out. I'll, I'll watch this. But um, but that was season two. And so I had to start all the way at season one. <laughs> Jennifer Coolidge wasn't a selling point for you. I love her. I do. I know. I love Jennifer Coolidge. But even like season one, I wasn't really sure what to expect. And we've kind of already said this off the air, but I, I mean, I'll say it now. And I think this is the vibe and feeling amongst everyone, which is season two is much better than season one. Doesn't mean season one was bad. It just was. And you feel the same way, right? I wouldn't even say that it was better. It just I felt like it's very funny. I had we're we're following this up after just finishing the Glass Onion and Knives Out uh, episode. (laughs) And this is quite similar in that realm, you know, like the murder mystery where season one. I didn't have that vibe as much. Yeah. it You know, it was more or less like, I know someone's dying in the show. Who's it going to be? And every five seconds, it was like, it's him. No, it's her. Yeah. And so <laughs> <laughs> that's basically where the excitement came from. Yeah. This, the second season, however, there were those Easter eggs and there was so much symbolism and it definitely caught me in that way. Like I liked the little yeah. murder mystery vibe and it felt like, 
in the beginning, I was like, oh, I know what's going to happen. And then all of a sudden it was like, no, that's not even close. That is not yeah. happening. And yeah. definitely kept me on my toes. The, yeah. the cast for season one, I really loved. Like I, Yeah, me too. I was just telling you that Armand, the hotel manager, might mm-hmm. be one of the, f- like, I loved his character. Yeah. He was so good. And yeah. the way that he just unraveled at the end was just everyone dreams of fucking over their boss at a like a boss that they hated and just doing that whole waiting like, fuck you, fuck you, I'm out. Yeah. And he, I feel like he had the ultimate exit <laughs> yeah. for a TV show. Like didn't end well for him. Yeah. <laughs> but. Oh, yeah. You know, his the way that he just went out, he went out as hard as you could possibly go as an yeah. employee of a corporate job. Well, all right. We'll cover both seasons, okay. but we'll, we'll start with the first. And you already kind of jumped into Armand, yeah, which is the, the manager of the hotel yes. who's, um, who was a drug addict, but he's been sober. And now, well, you know, the events that lead him to uh, kind of relapsing um, and, and to your point, um, you know, falling over. Yeah. Anyway, we'll, we'll go through all the, some of the characters here. So you have uh, him, you have Nicole and her husband, which is Steve Zahn, which is Mark. Yep. And, and Connie Britton. Yes. Um, so she is a CFO of a, of a some Google-esque kind of company, right? Yeah. She's just like a, a it's kind of implied that she's probably one of the first female tech CEOs to yeah. have like a incredibly profitable, insanely large tech company. Yeah. And then her daughter. Sydney Sweeney. Yeah. Which that girl is like all over the place now, right? All she's I hear everywhere. about is yeah, she's everywhere. Euphoria really blew her up. <laughs> well, she, I was going to say, she's been blown up by like two HBO series. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, anyway, so she she's great. And then her friend. Brittany O'Grady plays Paula, her friend. Yeah. Her yeah. College okay. friend. Right. Um, which is how the series kicks off, right? I mean, that starts, the series starts with the, the two of them. Oh, and then you have the, the, <laughs> The, the the trio I'll call it of yeah. um, Alexandra Daddario, which is uh, Rachel, who just married her new husband, which is Shane Shane, played by Jake Lacey, and then his, his mother, Kitty, incredible, played by Molly Shannon, who I love. <laughs> that was um, when I saw that that was the mom. I was like, oh, this is amazing. Yeah, um, yeah, that was the thing too. That's another one like that kind of pulled me in. Like I think the casting tends to pull me in a little bit. And then the masseuse, Belinda, Belinda, Natasha Rothwell. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who who's just oh, that poor woman that I yeah. just wanted to hug her so badly. <laughs> That's happened to me before when we were watching it. I have been Belinda, if you will, yeah. where I had a customer just promise me the world when I was bartending that they had this big lawsuit and they were going to take care of me. And there were two other bartenders who were twin sisters and they were just like, we're going to take care of you girls. We're going to give you each $10,000, blah, blah, blah. We're it's settling this week and you're so amazing. And they, they did this to us for like a year. Yeah. And we're finally towards the end of the year, we're like, okay, this shit is not happening. Stop lying to us. And then when we kind of were like, you don't have to give us any money and you don't have to lie about it. We know that there's no inheritance. But what they were doing is they kept telling us that and we kept giving them free shit and free food. Uh, And like they had the sob story and then they just disappeared. And like when we were watching it, Henry was like, oh no, this must be hitting a sore spot for you. And I was like, I've been Belinda before. Um, well, I mean, just to stop for a minute to get into her story, too. Um, so 
uh, well, we didn't talk about Jennifer Coolidge, which we will in a second, but oh, Jennifer Coolidge's gosh, character, uh, she, first off, she's, she's great. And I, and she is one of only two people that, that recurs in the second season or, or comes yes. back for the second season. But even she's the only one who's like the actual commonality thread, if you will. But there's that back and forth too, where Belinda is sort of like out to dinner with her or whatever. And like, sort of like, oh, I want to, here's my. Here's my what did what did you think of my business plan? Like oh, where God, I'm like so sad. <laughs> <laughs> but I couldn't tell. Like it seemed like she was like, all right, this this old rich lady is clearly taking advantage of me. So I'm gonna try to get something out of her, but like clearly wasn't comfortable with it. It was just this so awkward, cringy back and forth. And then funny enough, then Alexandra Dadar, I can never pronounce her name. Rachel. Her name is Rachel in the show. Hot Alexandra. Uh, <clears throat> yes. Hot yes. Rachel. We'll call her Hot Rachel. Hot Rachel. Um, she is <laughs> she's going through a mental crisis and then also latches on to uh, Belinda. Belinda. And then Belinda just doesn't give a shit anymore. She's like, that I was don't amazing. Like- <laughs> she was like, my advice. I have none. Bye. Fix yeah, your shit. Yeah. She just walks away. Yeah. Um, but we're sort of, uh, we're already sort of jumping around because like this, this, this entire thing is hard to contain itself. But what's what's end, and then we'll, we'll we can jump right into gear with with yeah Jennifer Coolidge's character, um, who connects to uh, and and it's kind of funny because I, I think I told you off the air I wanted to watch this with my kid and I did recently, uh, with Uncle Rico, which I don't know if a lot of people recognize that that's Uncle Rico from from Napoleon Dynamite. Not at all. <laughs> I did not know that till this moment, and that makes me a little sad. Why? Because it's Uncle Rico. Uncle Rico's hilarious. This <clears throat> yeah. guy, I want to fuck punch <laughs> in the face. I hate him so much. That's not true. The first season, I was like, oh, I love this yeah. guy. He's so fun. I'm so yeah. happy for Jennifer Coolidge. She found love. Jennifer Coolidge's character, Tanya, is not even the... I want to say she's not even the primary storyline in the first season. No, she's sort of a she's side not. character. Connie Britton and Steve Zahn... Uh, their marriage and their family is sort of the centerpiece. And then the, the, the newlyweds with the overbearing mother, mother-in-law, they're kind of secondary. And then Jennifer Coolidge's character is sort of like this third wheel character. Third tier with or, yeah, third character. Tier yeah. Yeah. We did. We forgot to mention um, who I don't, if he's been in anything before, I'm not familiar with him, but the yeah. son of Connie Britton, um, yeah. Fred Heschinger is his name. Heschinger. Yeah. I kind of forgot. His son named Quinn. And I really liked his story. I like yeah. that. It, like to me, that was the most redemption I got from the show was his character arc. Um, yeah. but he is kind of forgettable, not in the way that like, <laughs> I think his character is meant to be forgettable. That's the whole yeah. point is he's just like yeah. kind of in the background. But yeah. uh, I really did enjoy the way that his story ended. I mean, for context, I just went through the cast list and forgot him. So that <laughs> that fair. sort of proves totally your point. Um, I will say, I mean, the thing is, so the, the, the show is set in Hawaii. Uh, do you know which island it, in Hawaii it's set at? I actually don't realize. I don't that, remember, I but I that. do. I'm If we could quickly talk about Mike White, who is wrote oh. the show and yeah um he lives on and off in hawaii well mike white i mean that, maybe that's a good place to back up and start we should because, start with him because yeah. he's so damn interesting his whole story is nutso yeah mike white is for those that don't know you've known him from a few different things he then created like he was an actor 
and then went on to st- uh, start writing and doing some stuff behind the scenes. I One of the things I didn't realize was that he was a writer on the movie um, Orange County, which is the it was the breakout movie for Colin Hanks and Jack Black. Yeah. It was that from like the early 2000s. Um, I didn't realize he was a writer on that um, School of Rock. Um, and then he was involved with bringing it back. And this is where there's some kind of you know connection there is he was involved with the folks. The, uh, I forget the name of the guy behind. I'll, I'll pull it up in a second behind uh, Napoleon Dynamite and then got involved with a bunch of their movies, including writing and producing Nacho Libre. Yes, which, I did know about that part. Nacho yes. Libre. I knew about that one. Yes. And then he's also in uh, in Gentleman Broncos, which is another. Um, yeah. He just sometimes acts. And yeah. It's like, I'm a sometimes actor. <laughs> yeah. But that, those are like a bunch of Jared Hess movies. The it's really funny and I can't get the image out of my mind and I and I'm almost reluctant to share it. But I will say I think there's a scene in Gen- I think it's Gentleman Broncos where he has a snake around his neck and the snake just poops all over his shoulder, <laughs> which I've never seen a snake poop. Number one. So I think that's why the image and it's just his Burned in your space brain? smiling, standing there just smiling. Um, and then, um, you know. The, he he wanted they the show won an award recently and he went up on stage and people were like oh that's the guy that's the guy who created white Lo-. like i think it was like a shock to a lot of people because they'd be like i know that guy that guy was on pushing daisy he was like everyone yeah. remembers survivor yeah and you want to talk about like i i wasn't a big survivor fan ever um but i will say i guess there was a big turn in that show and i won't even try to begin to go into it unless you know about it but i don't i watched the first season of survivor when it first came yeah. out that was it we all did. Um, but um, yeah, this dude went on celebrity. Was it even a celebrity survivor or just a regular? Survivor? I don't know. He went on know. survivor <clears throat> and lived on an island and did all the fun, you know, survivory things. But dude is talented. And then so anyway, beyond um, this, he also uh, is responsible for Enlightened, which was another kind of under the radar HBO show that lasted a couple seasons that was starring Laura Dern, who was involved in it and created it alongside Mike White. Um, so he has some experience at HBO. He has some experience yeah. creating some 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 shows there. Um, and one thing I will not I, I got to give the guy credit for. He uh, and we because it was it was kind of a known thing behind the scenes is uh, he got up on stage to accept the award for the White Lotus and then sort of called everyone out being like, you all rejected the show. All the yeah, people clapping everybody right now. said no. That was so yeah. great. <laughs> <laughs> but um, super talented dude. I will say this, and I and I don't know if I said this to you. I said it to someone. But what drove me a little bit crazy is there's a lot of TV shows where there's a creator and then they hand off, you know, directing the episodes to someone else or like they write they write like the the season you know, premiere in the series in the season finale, right? They, they bookended or they write a few episodes here and there, let other people come in. Mike White wrote every episode, directed every episode, produced every, like he, it is he all wrote the his, show by himself in two yeah. months, two months. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's nuts. But where I wanted to go with that too is, is, you know, where he is not trying to creatively share the show. The show's creative train is a hundred percent him so i got to give him a hundred percent credit there and with that you don't see a lot of shows like that and and keep in mind too this was supposed to be a one-off limited series it was supposed to be like just season one and then hbo was like this is so good can we get you to come back for season two where i was going with all this 
is, and we'll get to the end of season two eventually, but um, before we get there and I'll, and I'll come back around to this again. Uh, he, there's like a, after the last episode, he, there was like an interview on, you know, the tail end of the show with him to explain about, you know, his reactions to some of the things that happen or him explaining some stuff. And he kept saying like, well, in my, in my mind, this is what happened or in my, you know, and I'm like, yeah, but it is your mind. It's all your mind. All of this is your mind. So if you say this is the point of this happening or this is what you think happened off screen. Yeah, it happened off screen because you're the writer. You're the creator. It's your baby. So um, anyway, I if we'll get there eventually. But just to know, even the stuff that happens off screen, Mike White has shared his thoughts on what he thinks happened, which in my eyes is. I don't know this, so I can't wait until you tell me. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm excited for that. But anyway, to go back to the show, yeah. So Jennifer Coolidge's character, um, he wrote for her. Yeah, yeah. And she almost turned it down. Our poor little Jennifer. What? Did she almost turn it down? Yeah, because she was super depressed during COVID, oh. and um, she said she was really just surrounded by the negativity of losing people and yeah. and during lockdown. And she's like, I was just at home eating pizza and ice cream for eight months solid, and I felt awful. And he could sense that she was pretty reluctant and trying to back out of it because she's like i mean she's like the funniest person she's like i'm very vain and i didn't like how i looked and i didn't want to be on camera yeah and um she said she said in an interview that he texted her one night and said are you afraid of doing this and she was like a little and he was like well too bad because i'm gonna create (laughs) a really safe space for you where you're gonna like love playing this character yeah and he I think what I like most about it is uh, in interviews I've read, you know that I love this, you know, sappy behind the scenes stuff, but he, because they shot this during the pandemic, HBO had like a bunch of stipulations to make the show. Yeah. One of them being had to be like in one location, had to be super safe in one location. Yeah. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong. They shot at the four (laughs) seasons, right? I believe so. Yeah. In In Maui. Maui. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, it had to be under was it under two million dollars per episode or under three million dollars per episode they had to keep it under that budget it was the only way that they would make this show for no less had to be made for less than three million dollars an episode jeez and it had to be done really safe so the cast he said um was insanely close like it was like summer camp because they couldn't (laughs) hang out with anyone else they could just hang out with each other and you could tell that in the show i feel like you can tell that the cast was so comfortable with each other yeah and this show was such an uncomfortable show they did such a good job of making you uncomfortable i think everyone played their heart out i mean that's the thing and this goes into season two also with some of the actors in there but you haven't seen really seen steve zahn and anything that hasn't been canceled in the past 10 years right i know i loved i love steve zahn yeah Yeah. Um, great. And so, yeah, I mean, that's the thing, too. Like, Connie Britton, too, like, she's been in, I, I know, I think you even said, what was the show that you used to, wasn't she on Nashville or She was on that? Nashville. She was yeah. on Friday Night Lights. Yeah. She was in American Horror Story the first season. I love Connie Britton. Yeah. But also, like, and, and <laughs> for the fact that, like, uh, you know, she almost turned down doing the show. I mean, the show is set in Hawaii. Um, it is beautiful. Um, how, how much better can it get? <laughs> Well, funny enough, and this isn't what you're supposed to feel, although I think that's sort of part of the way the show is written is it's a juxtaposition between this beautiful paradise and then just like drama and chaos and, you know, 
like murder, obviously. Um, but I'm sitting there watching. I'm like, I want to I want to go to Hawaii. <laughs> I want to hang out. I was thinking the same thing. This looks incredible. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, the way that the way the show goes and, and like the everyone acts their heart out. I got to give them a lot of credit. There is no one phoning it in, especially Jennifer Coolidge, who, you know, and even reading her Wikipedia page, right? Everything is like, oh, yeah, her breakout was uh, in American Pie. I'm like, I don't was it, though? <laughs> like she was in other things before that. It's just, you know, and, and you know, I don't know. I've 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 had an appreciation for Jennifer Coolidge's work for a long time because she, she was involved in a lot of like the um, best in show. And Ugh, uh, it's like one that is probably top five favorite movies of, for me is best well, in show. dog person. I mean, that, I, that's, am, I, feel like I that just I just love, first of all, I love Christopher Guest, but I love yeah. I just she is incredible in that movie. Very similar. She's yeah. a very similar character to who she is <laughs> in this show. A yeah. very rich, wealthy white lady who's very lonely. Yeah. You know, she did Legally Blonde. She did all the like it almost became like a running joke for a while. Of like, you know, Jennifer Coolidge is just playing Jennifer Coolidge. Just that. Wow. Everyone loves doing yeah. their Jennifer Coolidge impressions. And she sort of played a very similar character for a long time. But no one she never had a chance to be the centerpiece like the you know, e- even in this, we're talking about how like she was sort of the C plot, if you will, on season one, but like really became the A plot on season, season two. two. She um, became the shock value. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, so I I mean, everyone, I haven't heard anyone that dislikes Jennifer Coolidge and she's no, a hilarious person. I'm happy to see that she's she got so her. funny. And I think yeah. it was you that said I had seen perhaps it was a TikTok that like yeah. these, you know, again, this is conjecture because I don't know if it's yeah. true, but that there were now that it's White Lotus has gotten so much popularity, they were going to aim for seven seasons and have each season be about a different deadly sin. And this first season was all about greed and being rich mm-hmm. and like, yeah. you know, and when uh, Mike White was interviewed about it, he said that he wanted to just like do a show that talked about money and how like insane right. amounts of money can like, you know, just completely change who you are as a person and the relationships you have in your life. But yeah. also he made everybody feel really human. Yeah. Like I have nothing in common with any of those people, but I right. could see myself in some of every one of the characters, by the way that he wrote them. And oh, yeah. she made being rich with a shit ton of money, but never being loved. So human. You're like, yeah, you know, wasn't that her story, right? Her parents were loaded, but yeah, yeah. Her super dad was abusive like a, to her. Well, yeah. And we don't, I don't think we know that sort of until season two, but it's it's essentially yeah her dad was some like oil guy and made a billions of dollars but also abused her and it's never really discussed but then you know now she inherited everything that's that that's her wealth that's her you know what she is season one kind of made me mad though because i will say that rachel's (laughs) character i felt i like i loved it i was like this girl is going to so her whole thing is she marries a super rich guy and she's a journalist like a struggling journalist who did not grow up with money and she kind of starts to see what her marriage is going to be like and she's going to just be the trophy wife and her career goes on hold and then she starts to realize that and basically tells him like sorry i made a mistake i can't do this like this is not the life i want then that bitch goes back to him in the end. Yeah, I well, that's, that's I was the, the whole time I was like, yes, yes, yeah. girl, do you? And then in the end, she goes back to him. I'm like, no, yeah, no. <laughs> I was like re- screaming at the TV. Yeah, she resigns herself to. Oh, well, that's the thing she too. Does. Is like when they show up in their honeymoon, and then you know his mom is there, 
and you know his mom shows up to their honeymoon it's i mean incredible (laughs) incredible um and then but it's it's funny too because i think what you're what you she mentions it somewhere which is you know in front of his mom her husband shane is essentially like he is a snooty asshole. He is like a rich oh God, yes. asshole. Absolutely. And it's almost like it's like the first. And I think you don't really have that deeper backstory to understand what the relationship was like before. But from what we get from her is like she didn't really notice that side or she was blinded by the whole like, you know, like romance of it all. And she said, I mean, she mentioned it somewhere. She always like dreamed of like yeah. a princess wedding or whatever it was. Yeah. And um, and she like there are little moments where I was like, OK, I'm getting this because Molly Shannon says how she planned their whole wedding, planned yeah. their whole honeymoon. Yeah. And um, Rachel also says that she's going she, when they get back to the city, she's going to move in with him. So they hadn't lived together yet. <laughs> so maybe oh, she was a little bit blinded by the fact that she like hadn't seen that side of him. Yeah. You know, the time she spent part. with him. Yeah. But yeah. like th- that character, like you said, they weren't the A plus plot they were pretty prominent like maybe yeah. b plot but to me that ending with armand shitting yeah. in his suitcase and just that whole yeah. scene incredible television yeah like well the, the, i did look yeah. it up it was not him actually shitting i did look it up <laughs> i needed to know i was like did he actually shit because that's incredible it was not him yeah. I also did look up Steve Zahn got to approve his prosthetic penis. They laid out a bunch of them when you see his dick. And they were like, <laughs> you get to pick one. And he was like, that's the one I want. Yeah. <laughs> so that's another one of Amanda's fun facts about yeah. <laughs> penises and poop. <laughs> well, it's funny, too. I mean, I think that's one of the ones, too, where it's like, um, and if you're listening to this at this point, haven't seen it, I, God help you. But we'll put us. we have to make sure we put a spoiler alert. Spoiler front, alert. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing, too, is like... That episode where he's shitting in the suitcase, I was we were eating dinner and it was just the worst part. That's a real bad time to be eating yeah. dinner. You know, dinner and a show, you know. But this is like a whole like writer's concept or thing. Have you ever heard of um the concept of like Chekhov's gun? Uh no phrase ever heard. Essentially no. it's it's if there's a gun present, it's going to go off at some point during the movie or the whatever. Yes. And so there's a scene, and I think it's an episode prior where Shane mentions the 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 knife for the pineapples. Yeah, it's an episode, a couple episodes before that. Keep it by yeah. the bed. And he's going to keep it by the bed, and I'm like, someone's going to get stabbed. <laughs> or, I thought like, he was going to stab Rachel accidentally. I thought so, too. Yeah. yeah. I thought, Or I thought she was going to stab him. Agreed. Because you keep seeing him getting like progressively angrier and just like... He's at the bar drinking and he's just an asshole, but you don't know what level to an asshole he is that he's going to like break and then do something uh, violent. Because, again, to the way the the show is set up in a very mysterious, like, you know, in in the perfect mystery kind of way, um, someone's going to die. You just don't know who. And you also know you you only know one person who's not right. It's just which is it's Shane, right? Yes. Yeah, that's the thing is like you it starts leading you there, which isn't a bad thing. I will say overall. Season one and season two. I it is obviously a roller coaster ride with the murders, <laughs> right? Yes. Which I think in season two isn't even the apex of the show. I'll come back there in a second and we can jump into season two. But so good. 
but at the same time too, it's, it's, it, it was not, I want to, I want to call it anticlimactic. That's not the right word. Cause it, it, it is done well, but I feel like all these other movies and, and TV shows that have like these giant, you know, like climax endings sort of overdo it to the point of like, this is done in a way where it's like, everything is grounded in reality, right? Nothing is over the top. Yeah. Nothing is beyond like, there's no superheroes. There's no big fights or anything, right? Like, even when Steve Zahn's character gets into a fight with Kai, the one who... Uh, that scene was really sad. I didn't yeah. like that at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, but even that, like, it's just, you know, fights and, and stuff like that are, are not pretty. Like, they're just kind of gruesome and, you know, like... So anyway, I, I think it was well done. But I think the it's a good palate cleanser from other crappy tv shows and the you know almost polar opposite of like uh like a transformers movie almost if you will like where it's just like way over the top action and you know like oh look at this big mystery we solved no it's it's done in a way where you're not shocked by the time shane stabs armand yes like you sort of it's it's building to that you know what's going to happen and you're like ah shit this is it um but that's okay. I think that's that's actually an okay thing. Like I think it's just I like agree. all buttoned up I in a good also, story. I just like that this all happened with a pile of shit sitting in a suitcase behind them. <laughs> Human shit. Like I love that this drama unplayed with the yeah. wafting scent of shit in the air behind yeah. it. And like what a way to go, man. Yeah. But um, I mean, yeah, season one did also kind of feel like there were a lot of untethered storylines that just you never got really the final you just don't know what happened like talking about the yeah. brother the brother ends up just like not going home with his family and yeah going back and to Hawaii and he's airport. 16 years yeah. old he's out and yeah. like um Sydney Sweeney and her little friend there you know like their friendship like mm-hmm. are, it seems like okay maybe they're good but yeah. there's just so many storylines that felt unfinished and I'm sure that that was yeah. the point you know that yeah. all these people they go on with their lives this is just yeah. a vacation with a really good story, but it yeah. also is the ridiculousness of when you have that much money, yeah. how ridiculous your life can be. And then the next day you're just like, well, I have to go back home to my finance office. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no big deal. It, Someone got it, murdered. <laughs> it brings up a point that I want to ask you about because it's something that sort of pisses me off. <laughs> it, it, it gets a, it gets a big emotional reaction out of me. Okay. Um, I'm, I, I'm on Reddit a lot. I think we've, I don't know if you've talked about social media in yes. general. I, I tend to move towards social media that I don't know people on it. You know, they're just all strangers sharing stuff, TikTok and, and Reddit and things like that. But on Reddit, I'm obviously, I follow a lot of TV shows for, uh, you know, subreddits for TV shows that I, that I like. And there's always people popping up to be like, what do you think this person is doing today? Or like, what do you think happened after this? It's like, no, but that's, that's the thing. It's up to your own, like. It's up to your interpretation. It's not like, oh, yeah. here's the, the the real answer. Like, you know, when the the son runs away, uh, when when Quinn runs away at the gate, yeah, you're supposed to interpret it the way you want. Like, you're supposed to interpret Absolutely. it like, yeah, all right. Like, he either sinks or swims. He goes off and he has a better life, and there's nothing to you know, um, because he comes there and he like you know he doesn't have his phone, right? <laughs> He's like, like addicted that, to his phone and his Nintendo yeah. Switch and loses them both. Yeah. And then now all of a sudden he discovers like, wow, like, you know, just like there's that scene of him on the boat rowing with the other like the guys from Hawaii 
that's so cathartic. That's like, wow, like that simple it's just beautiful. Into, yeah. Yeah. Beauty of like, yeah, you know, it's just like, I'm sure he's doing that probably because that's what yeah, the story doesn't leads you to exist believe, right? in his like, world back home. Yeah. So um, and it's the same thing to your point with like Rachel and Shane's relationship. Like you find out right there that Rachel resigns herself to like, oh, I'm you know, she's she's troubled the whole time with I'm I don't want to be a trophy wife, but then goes back and just says, all right, I guess I'm going to be a trophy wife now. Like that's, you know, there's I nothing know. it, re, you know, and so. Yeah, I mean, those stories, especially like the way those wrap up. And then you're also we can now use this as a segue. Um, uh, Jennifer Coolidge's character, Tanya, runs off with Greg. She finds Mr. love with Greg. Uncle Rico. <laughs> I loved in season Ooh. one. I truly loved. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is great. And yeah. in season two, in the first 10 minutes, I was like, fuck this guy. I yeah, did well, not like him immediately. Well, that's what I wanted to ask too. But sorry, so we get into season two, and I've because I've, I've seen theories about this. This is the one where I'm like, I, and again, it's more of a question of not what do you think, but it's also like us comparing notes on like, did I miss something? Okay, is it is it laid out in a way where you in season one have reason to believe that Greg is only sort of like wooing Tanya to? like do something or does it just open with season two being like i've fucking had enough of this woman and i i need out season two felt to me in the beginning like tanya had entered a state of like we're truly seeing her her um outlandish behavior how needy she is like everything she said she was in season one but season one made her so endearing that you were like oh she deserves love she deserves this and at the end of season one, you find out that Greg is dying from cancer, right? Right. Yeah. Is it cancer or something like he's dying. I, they never say it. Right. But he just says, I have health issues. Yeah. And like, you I know, believe. something, something along those lines. So like, I, you, you kind of pick up what he's putting down. It's like, this guy's not going to make it. So yeah. he's going to have fun. He's like, I'm here to have fun. Right. You want to have fun? Let's have fun. Yeah. Season two, you find out that they're, they've now gotten married and that's kind of yeah. how it opens. And immediately you can feel that he is just done with her. He yeah. is over her shit. He is over her hysterics. But she's so endearing to you in season one that in season two, no matter how ridiculous she is, you just feel so freaking sad for her. Yeah. And her relationship with her assistant, Portia, uh, I think uh, also makes her just so, I don't know, You like my immediate visceral reaction to Greg in season two yeah. was like, oh, fuck this guy. He got with her because of the money. And then don't you find out pretty early on that her money got him the right doctors that he is no longer dying? Yeah. Well, that was right. Thing. OK. Yeah. It's it's something to that effect. And again, it's never it's never spoon fed to you, which, again, is something I like about the show. The other thing, too, and this is where I'm like, this show is is such a palate cleanser is the show doesn't try to. Would you I have to just get used to, especially when we get to season three, is the show doesn't try to lie to you. You know how a lot of shows will try to be like, you know, someone's on a secret phone call, be like, oh, I'm going to take care of it. And it's like, oh, no, they're up to no good. And it's like and then, you know, at the end, they become the victim. And it's like, no, I was planning yeah. a surprise party. Like, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, like, you know, this is like any character that shows anything where it's like, oh, that's suspicious. It's because they're suspicious. So there's no one who ever shows you a little bit of like there might be reason to suspect them of something and then 
and then diverts away from that and says, okay, actually, no, we sort of tricked you a little bit and that person was actually fine. And it's actually this person who's bad. Every person who shows up that you're like, this is very suspect is suspect. very suspect. Yes. And they, you're right. And, and to the point when there's like stuff that happens, which I'll get to in a second that I'm like, holy shit, I didn't even believe that. I didn't believe what we were being led to until I, I saw it. And I think that's what's good about the show is it's subverting your expectations of typical mysteries and dramas that exist on TV and movies. And that's what I love sure. about this. Like Mike White is is subverting our expectations and cleansing our palate from crappy and poorly written and cliche yeah. like, movies and you TV hate shows. this guy yeah you fucking hate this guy he yeah. sucks <laughs> and so like now that we're talking about season two season two yeah. is set in sicily Which i want to go to now by the way i don't know about you but like Freaking i want to i want to go on the Holy white shit. lotus tour yeah <laughs> so season two is set in sicily and if we're following yeah. that same like it you know it's a seven deadly sin the second season is all about lust it yeah. is right the whole season is about yep. lust and fucking that's yeah. what season two is all about and I feel like the, it was uh, definitely a different vibe than season one. And I like yeah. that they change the scene and you're just in that one place. I love yes. the setting of the show is just like it's a, to me, this both locations felt like characters in the show. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, so we both will both tell you everyone right now. We like season two better. Yeah. <laughs> Full disclosure. Season two probably is much will be better, able to yeah. tell. We could we could probably have another whole hour episode just on season two because we yeah. enjoyed it so much. But well, uh, well, the cast is different, so we should yeah. probably say who the cast is, right? Yeah, we can we can run it down. And I will say too, I think with any TV show, the you know as they go along, they kind of find their footing and figure out who they are. This isn't even that, right? Like I, I got to say, like I think it's just they're both good stories because they're self-contained stories ish, right? There's a, there's a yeah. thread there with Jennifer Coolidge. Um, but they're so well done that I'm just like, it's not like season two is better than season one because of any faults of season one. No, not it at was all. just a better story. Like it was just like, you know, it's, it happened to be an improved upon story that was like better than, and you can't even, it's apples to oranges really. Cause again, it's, the only the only similarity is, well, there's Jennifer Coolidge and then that there's a murder and then we jump back a week earlier to when people arrived at the resort yes. to figure out that who's going to die. And this opens up and, and there are multiple bodies and the only person and again, just like season one, the only person, you know, is not one of the victims is um, Daphne, right? Daphne played by Megan Fahey. So she's. Yeah. So good in this. Yeah. She's great. Ah, you don't know man. if you love her, her or hate her the entire time, but I just know I'm like, I still don't good know. Good for her. <laughs> like, good for you, girl. Get in your own. Well, and, um, all right, we, we got to get time. That, that is yeah. the A storyline, right? It's for is sure. That, the a, that is the A storyline, which is Daphne and her husband, Cameron, and then Audrey Plaza's character, Harper. Yep. And then her husband, Ethan. Yes. So has Ethan ever been in anything before? I've never seen him before. I have never <laughs> seen that guy in anything. But I think and, that was the point of him is he's supposed yeah. to be like just a face. Yeah. Like, nothing you've ever seen before. No one, you know. Yeah. Well, that was the thing, too. Is, I mean, I mean, a lot of these shows like they just there's people, you know, which I'll get to because, again, I want to get to I think Michael Imperiola, his character 
with his um his father and his oh, son. God, his were father great. was so good. Yeah. So so uh, good. So that's F. Murray Abraham, which pause for fun fact is <laughs> fun fact. He he was on another show from the guys who do It's Always Sunny, or some of the people from Always Sunny called Mythic Quest, which is on Apple TV Plus. Yes. He was a part of season one, I think season two. And then all of a sudden he abruptly left the show and there wasn't a lot of conversation about why he left the show. There was like sort of like rumblings about like, why did he get kicked off the show? Did he leave the show? Was it him? Was it them? And then he shows up on this and everyone's like, oh, yeah, now I know why he wanted to leave the show. (laughs) He got a he had the opportunity to like jump on the train for the uh, wildly successful uh, White Lotus series. So what is he going to choose? The Apple TV Plus show that is sort of. You know, it's not anywhere near Severance or the newsroom or the yeah. not even uh, uh, the morning show, whatever. Um, but anyway, um, yeah. So they are sort of the B ish. But I, I want to. I don't know. This doesn't feel as clear cut as season one, where it's like, oh, no, this is I the feel A. Like this it's is almost the B. yeah. Like the first few episodes, it's clearly Aubrey Plaza, uh, Theo James. Yeah, like that whole storyline, which. Oh, man, That's I have opinions, another one. I have thoughts. I have opinions and thoughts. I will tell you that I love to like call things right away when I yeah. see them so that at the end, if it happens, I can be like, I told you. Yeah. And with Theo James and Aubrey Plaza, you could ca- cut their sexual tension with a knife within the first like scene they had together. Like I could feel yeah. it. I was like, oh, she fucking hates him. They are going to fuck. And like yeah. that was just where my brain went immediately. Yeah. And I tried it, you know, like because of the first season, I was like, don't count your chickens because this could really get wild yeah and i will say theo james was incredible yeah in this like you hated him from square one and you just continued to hate him more and more and and really hate him yeah but um a character i was really surprised with is uh the girl that plays portia i have never seen her in anything before oh yeah incredible she's one of my favorites she was incredible yeah just her storyline. Haley um, Lou Richardson. Yeah. Yeah. She um, apparently. Are you, wait, are you talking about with the. Wait, who, which person? Portia, the assistant to Jennifer Coolidge. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. I was thinking I was thinking of uh, of Valentina, who was the oh, God. manager. She was. Oh, she was. Great. Yeah. No, the uh, we'll get back to her. Yeah. The the assistant. Man, I uh, the way she treated uh, Michael Imperiola's son it was really uh, sad. Poor Albie. Oh man, played by I Adam remember- DeMarco. Poor <laughs> Albie. What a nice guy. That was like the epitome of nice guys finish last storyline. It was so sad. Uh, let he me got uh, his, but man, but let me tell you, like that was the thing. First off, I, I was, I was, you know, and I feel like my wife wasn't wouldn't tell me the truth either way. But I was just like, which guy would you pick? Like if you know, <laughs> I already know the answer. I'm not proud of it. Oh no! <laughs> like me in my young twenties, yeah. I know I did that. I know, I know the story in my head. I know yeah. that I did that to someone at least once. And uh, me, adult me in my thirties, would be like, "No, pick Albie. Yeah. He's so sweet." You'd go for Jack, is what you're saying. I you're know. I run would. off with Jack, but no, I she did. She it. did him dirty. Like it, it wasn't even like. It was uh, awful. It was yeah. so I felt, you know, when you watch something, you get secondhand embarrassment or like yeah. secondhand cringe. The scene yeah. where Albie is holding her seat for her and he looks up and she is uh, just full on <laughs> kissing. And I'm like, yeah, 
my heart hurt. I felt embarrassed. I wanted to change the channel. Like I yeah. couldn't just. I was like, oh my god. Yeah, but Adam Demarker. I, yeah, Albie is. And what's funny too is like you'd almost expect it from like oh he's like a young teenager or like he's nineteen or something. He is a he is a St- Stanford graduate, right? So he is who is so intelligent. What a yeah. damn feminist! The way that he sets his father, his Italian father and yeah. grandfather straight. Um, like you, I don't think you could write a better man as a husband or partner in life. Yeah. Like he was just so sweet, intelligent, yeah, lovely, and just that poor boy. What what to bring it through that lineage? What how did you feel about? Because it was something else I caught there, by the way, and I'll, I'll bring okay. it up in a second. But what did you think of Michael Imperiola's character? That was Dominic. That was his father. His father, who clearly has a sex addiction and was cheating right. on his mom, left, right, and center. Right. Um. You know those characters that they're so poignant in your brain for something else. Yeah. That they come on screen. And I felt like I was watching The Sopranos during your yeah. storyline, you know, <laughs> and which I don't hate. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I loved F. Murray Abraham in this. I just yeah. loved. He was great. He was yeah. the Italian chauvinistic grandfather. There was some sadness there, though, because it felt like he kind of Michael Imperioli's character got to unpack with his dad, who's so oblivious. He's like, where do you yeah. think I learned how to treat women? Yeah. And that it's okay to cheat on your wife and how you treated mom. You thought we were oblivious. Yeah. We weren't. She cried herself yeah. to sleep every night. Yeah. And then you kind of feel bad for him because that's the whole thing. Like at least Adam DeMarco's character has broken that generational curse of uh, treating women like shit. And then. Yeah. <laughs> and then it all changes. But yeah. that's that's how I felt. I was like, thank God, like that generational treating women like shit has yeah. ended. And, you know. Well, here's the thing I caught that I don't know if a lot of people caught is in the beginning, there's a point when I think it's the I think it's the prostitutes that they walk by and Michael Imperiola and F. Murray Abraham, they both turn their heads. Mm-hmm. Albie keeps looking straight, right? Does Doesn't not, even, does, does not, not gawk even, at yeah. girls. And then you cut to at the like the season finale. And they're at the airport and the girl walks by and they all three of them turn their heads. Yes. And so I think it's like that. I think what we're sort of getting out of that or my take on that was that, you know, he was young and naive and like fell and got swindled by this prostitute. Yeah. He got burnt and he's just like, like, fuck it. Like he just like, you know, like he goes against his principles that he's held for the entire week with like, you know. The uh, assistant who just sort of like tosses him off to the side for, you know, I know and then but that the, the two girls that played the sex workers were so yeah. awesome. And I loved that they were they were, they were very um, empowered, you know, in the yeah. beginning. And there was some sadness there. But I I remember watching it and I said to my partner during the scene where he um, he hooks up with the one sex worker, Lucia, and they're in the bedroom yeah. and they, you know, and in the morning she's like gonna ask for payment and i even said yeah i was like do you think he knows that yeah she's a sex worker and he was like no this is real like the, like yeah. she really likes him and then in the morning oh, no. when that happened i felt like that yeah. was like his innocence died yeah. like he did something that he was just like oh my god like no but i, I don't even think it died there because that's the thing he continues on and she I plays just him so sad yeah I, but but the thing is, I think, you know, because he still keep tries to keep up the like, hey, I'm going to I'm going to be the white knight, you know, the whole time. That's very true. Yeah. No, that's a great point. You know, he does try to 
he continues to pursue hanging out with her and yeah. regardless of what she expects from him, he's enjoying her company. Right. And you're right, he does try to be the the savior for who he thinks is her pimp. Yeah. Well, because again, it goes to my point of like the show doesn't lie to you or doesn't lead you yeah. on because the whole time when like when the guy's chasing her and she's like, oh, that's my essentially her pimp. Right. Yeah. Um, You're like, oh, is she trying to swindle him or is this real or is this fake? And it's like, nope, it is absolutely re- like fake. Like she is absolutely swindling him. Like it's yes. what you believe. If you suspect it, it is true. Like and that you know, guy they, just they, ends up being a doorman at a place, right, or something like a bouncer or something. Yeah, it's revealed yeah. later. It's revealed yeah. in like the the final the final moments of the show. Um, but that's the thing. So that the show does not lead you on. Um, and that was that was my biggest takeaway from that. Um, I want to. I really want to deep dive into the whole the two Please. couples thing with Aubrey yes. Plaza in a second. Oh Before God. we get yes. there, the other storyline there was, um, the you right, um, Jennifer Coolidge's. Uh, um, character and that whole thing here's the thing I don't understand because <laughs> I okay. went back and I'm like I don't know if this holds water is the entire so first off the husband Uncle Uncle Rico is upset that uh, the assistant came because he wanted her to be all on her own because clearly he had the, this sort of setup. But why go through all those motions, right? Like if the entire thing was to have her knocked off in Italy by the month, like why go through all these motions? Why end up having like these people befriend her and lure her over to the island? And then just to like, it does that's the part that I don't understand. I don't know. I feel like he, you kind of start to see that he's like a, coward like he's not willing to do anything himself or stand up for himself or even stand up to her like that scene where he she just wants to be on the Vespa and do this thing in Italy so that she can feel beautiful and loved for one day and like he just (laughs) does it you know like he just does it and at the end of he's like sorry I'm leaving and it was really sad and heartbreaking (laughs) and like then you know obviously she be she befriends Quentin who's played by Tom Hollander and then um it's I think that he just was like, these are the th- it's so easy to win her over. She just wants yeah. attention. This is all you have to do. Make her yeah, feel special. Okay. Make her feel empowered. And you will be able to do whatever you want. And everything else will be so easy. Like she's yeah. so gullible and so needy that I'm going to treat her like shit. You treat her yeah. like a queen and she'll eat out of the palm of your hand. Yeah. Which is so goddamn sad. Yeah. And. And Jack ends up being an uncle fucker. Yeah, and Jesus Christ. I still don't understand. Was, I mean, whew. yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say so out of the out of the mouth of Mike White is at the end. So obviously she meets her demise. She um, kills everyone. She kills the kills mobster, them all, baby. kills them all. And then. As he described it, he gave her a derpy death where she sort of like, you know, is vindicated, right? Gets herself out of the situation, but then stumbles off the boat trying to figure out how to jump and trying like and then knocks her head and and dies in the water. And he foreshadowed that foreshadowed that in the first episode. So when she's getting off the boat to get onto the island, Mm -hmm. she slips and almost falls into the sea because she's so damn clumsy and she's such a hot mess. And the little concierge like saves her. Yeah. And then leads her off the boat. So like. 
it's very funny because he kind of you know yeah, shows like cool. she, she came in on the yacht she went out on the yacht and both times yeah. she could have died and <laughs> oh, poor girl I, I like he did her dirty but also in the same way like very fitting for who her character was you know yeah. like I, I don't like that it's kind of looming like does piece of shit greg get her money now but they well, signed the prenup and then uh, yes and he was so uh, okay i i sort of have a pseudo answer here is okay. um mike white in describing what to expect for season three um sort of alluded to the fact that we should be expecting that that's first off season three is supposed to be about death Right. Okay. Or like, well, you, you know, the seven deadly sins better than I do. I don't know the mortality or something like that. I don't know. I, I don't know. No that's, that's not a sin. Um, but it's supposed to be about death. Um, and apparently we're going to meet up with Uncle Rico again uh, wherever else, wherever this takes place. God, I, I hope he dies. Awfully. Yeah. Um, and it's supposed to be something more spiritual. So I think they were leaning towards Asia or India as being the okay. next setting for the for the show. But OK, um, you know, it'd probably be like the Maldives or something like that. You know, like it, it'll be something where um, he does show back up. We reconnect again to him. And I would assume with his love for Jennifer Coolidge, she will get her comeuppance in the next season there. So um, I hope so. Yeah. Um, a few other uh, loose ends that I got from some interviews with Mike White. Also, his uh, her assistant, um, you're sort of like, well, what happens to her next? Does she say anything? Nope, she's scared out of her goddamn mind and just f- goes back to the America like she's told, and then just Poor girl doesn't was fucked to begin with in her head. Yeah. And now she's going home even worse. Yeah, and she could, but she could have been going home with uh, with a relationship with Albie. You know, she could have screwed been that with up. Albie. Yeah. Oh man, you know. Now, did anyway. you know about the artwork in the characters' rooms? No, I mean, I, I read an article more about than, this. Yeah, yeah I was say just what it's explained. Yeah, in the so show, the, but that's the artwork it. in the characters' rooms. Um, they tell something about each character. Like in Albie's room, there's a painting um, of the martyr of St. Sebastian. Yeah. And that's to show like, you know, our poor boy. He's just, you know, feels like, you know, he's kind of, I don't know if the audience does it or Albie does it. He paints himself as a martyr. And then in Ethan Harper's room, there's um, images of the Greek warriors, Achilles and, someone else and that's yeah. supposed to show the couple arguing and like yeah. how their kind of dynamic goes together and like there's all these weird paintings that are supposed to say like what's going to happen to the character yeah in the movie i clearly did not pay attention to any of that <laughs> except for the creepy vases in the beginning yeah. when they ask like what they mean and how yeah they're supposed to be was it's like to show the infidelity right like yes the, yeah it was all about infidelity thought, yeah yes and i thought that, that that was going to mean so much in the show and it kind of ends up being like eh, not so much yeah it's not, well, they knock it over not they that big of a deal it. we're just gonna break it yeah yeah well even i mean well it is i mean it follows the whole infidelity stuff because that's, sure. that's like looming in the air but um but yeah what i found interesting about that too is like can you imagine going to a resort with your husband and then be like, yeah, cool. We're going to give you the room with the infidelity uh, art pieces. Yeah. Um, it's all about infidelity, not to get in your head or anything. No, but- <laughs> no big deal. And you know what we're going to do with your super hot friends? We're going to yeah. have a uh, conjoining door here in yeah. case you guys just all want to fuck each other. Here you go. 
<laughs> Are we going to find out that like Mike White is actually like a character in the show and he's like the president of White Lotus Resorts and he does and this just, just to fuck with, with people? people? Yeah. That'd be incredible. That would be so incredible. This is the infidelity room and it's automatically yes. connected to your friends next door. I know Enjoy you your guys week haven't here. been having sex, yeah. so I'm just going to put you guys in the room right here um, and make sure that he leaves a condom wrapper on the couch so that you think that your husband fucked someone. Oh, man. So uh, we got to get into that story because that was yes. the one I, I was like, you know, um, uh, just sitting there uncomfortably watching. Not uh, not un- like uncomfortably as in like a I feel like everyone's constantly making poor decisions. At least I can identify with like, you know, some characters where I'm like, all right, I, I you know, I, I wouldn't make the decision, but I feel bad. I understand what they're doing. The whole relationship between Harper and Ethan and uh, I almost said Quentin. Um, Daphne uh, Cameron and yeah, and Cameron. yeah, and like yeah, it's it's bonkers. I don't know. I have to I have to collect my thoughts to figure out how I approach this. But I also have more Mike White insights into what actually happened Good, in certain because situations. This okay. is to me, it felt the most off. Like I thought yeah. I knew what was going to happen the entire goddamn show. I was yeah. like, this is how this is going to play out. Yeah, this is how this is going to play out. I know what's yeah. going to happen. And very early on, you kind of something I really liked about Daphne's character is she's kind of super underrated. The whole point, like the whole point is she kind of flies under the radar. Yeah. I loved I while I don't agree with it. Yeah. I loved that. She's like, I know that I'm married to a fucking monster. Yeah. Like, I know that if he wanted to kill me or have me killed, he could easily do it. Yeah. And when she explains to Harper when they rent that palazzo and it's just the two of them. She's like, his buddies are scary, like Bernie Madoff type scary, like we'll kill you. And I feel like while she's saying that, I think she's also kind of warning Harper, like, do not let your man get involved with him because I know that's why we're on this trip. Don't let it happen. And I feel like there's so much goodness in Daphne's heart. Yeah. But also she's she knows what she's doing. She's playing the damn game. And so you kind of like she's like the unsung heroine because at the very end of the show. When, or I'm sorry, the very beginning, the opening scene of the show when she finds the bodies. But up until that point, she's on the beach saying, it's so romantic here. You're going to love it. It's so romantic. Yeah. Even after everything has just fucking happened. That story is like so much to unwrap, right? Is you have, well, there, I, I keep jumping around because one, one of the things that keeps pulling me is there's that conversation. And I forget what it is verbatim. And I, and I hope you remember it better than I do. Which is she's talking to Harper about this like blonde hair, blue eyed guy back home that like, you know, that brings her all this whatever joy. And then she turns around and she shows a picture of her kid. Yes. It's just like, her son. Yeah, right. And she's like, like, oops. Oops. Yeah, what is that? Was she like sort of like subverting Harper's expectations of like, yeah, I just do whatever the hell I want I'm, and cheat on my husband? Or like, is I don't she- know. So I had two storylines going through my head in that. Okay. One of them was. I don't cheat on my husband. This is the man of my life. Like this is my, the man of my life. And then we learn that's not true. Cause she yeah, says, maybe true. you should get a trainer. Yeah. But then I think she's telling Harper, I have this blonde haired, blue eyed, amazing man that I fuck whenever I want. Here's a picture of my son. And Oh, would you look at that? He's blonde hair and blue eyed. So that's, that's my what, okay. son's father. Okay. Yeah. That's what I thought. That's what I thought too. And I couldn't figure out where she was going with that. Either way, it made it kind of clear that that you know Daphne is is a is a lot more 
conniving than you're led on to believe. Like she's not oblivious. Yeah. Yeah. She is not the stupid little bimbo that we believe she is. Yeah. Well, and then what's your take on what's your take on? I'll fast forward. I'm jumping around a lot. But like, what is your take on her grabbing Ethan and running off on the little island? She knew exactly what she was doing. Right. But was that because she wanted to? She can feel. I don't know. She, like, I feel like she started to feel the sexual tension between her husband yeah. and Aubrey Plaza and was right. starting to get pissed and was like, oh, two can play this fucking game. Right. I'm going to piss my husband off and piss her off simultaneously and take yeah. Ethan away. And, you know, like if something happens, it happens. Or I don't even yeah. know if she had intention for something to happen, but it was definitely right. calculated. It was calculated and she yeah. knew the reaction it was going to garner. Like she was like, I know what's going to happen here. Yeah. She's going to be pissed. My, you know, Theo James is going to be pissed and right. I'm going to feel great because now I'm back in control of everybody's emotions. Like yeah. I'm the one on top. The, everyone's and manipulating everyone. That's that's 100 percent. Yeah, it was it was what a wild couple's trip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wowie. Well, because as soon as they arrive and I'm like, OK, where is this going? Like, are we are we swingers? Are we is it? We like at first because that's where I thought it was initially going, right? Because the way yeah. Cameron sort of approaches Ethan and Harper, it seems like it's like, hey, we're on this beautiful paradise, you know, rooms connect, right? We're just gonna kind of have a little foursome, right? I thought that was where it was kind of going, not into like the whole infidelity where, like, you know, you're screwing my wife and I'm screwing your wife. Like, I'll cut to the chase here because one of the one of the answers I sort of got from a from Mike White's interview was what did Aubrey Pla- what did Harper do with Cameron which I, before okay. I tell you I'll let you tell me what you think and I'll tell you whether or not that's true or I not. think they fucked they didn't no are you serious yeah 100% so Mike White according to him so and, and and again a he's led it up to your interpretation right because yes. I will say the whole time when Ethan is having these like visions and seeing his wife with his his high his um college roommate, like he's you know, can't get out of his head, right? And I'm just like, all right, this guy is going crazy. Is he gonna murder someone? Like, is he gonna be the mm-hmm. one that murders Agreed. someone? Because that's yeah. that's right. I thought I thought this guy was like literally driven insane. Um, but also, second to that, you also I don't even as a guy, I'm just like, I don't fully understand how are you not attracted to your Aubrey Plaza wife not like out of anything else more than like all right cool shit happens relationships wife's husband's relationships and all that but I'm just like I don't even understand under under the guise of what we're given what actually their relationship is that was what I was like having a hard time deciphering like he's not into his wife or the magic's gone because he lost the magic but he gets it back after (laughs) screwing Daphne I don't anyway but the way Mike White uh, answered the question was um, his interpretation of it, of which he wrote. That's why I, I call this canon is that all they did was hook a kiss. All they did was kiss and nothing more. Not to say that so, that's what they wanted to, but like yeah, but because but it gets like, in your brain. It does get in your brain. And yeah. also it kind of goes along with the White Lotus theme because never in a million years did you think Aubrey Plaza was going to cheat on no Cameron. like he you know but like yeah. also 
Cameron seemed like the goody goody up until the point when he took the MDMA and like they were, you know, like yeah. doing whatever they were doing. But he also was like, no, I love my wife too much. I'm not going to hook up with the sex worker right now when it's yeah. clearly available to me and about to yeah. happen and I'm not going to do it. So I was like, maybe, maybe it's going to be Aubrey Plaza, but you just... I don't know. Cameron kind of painted himself into this little corner in the end of the show. It's like, no, he's the good one. Like nothing's going to happen there. Like, and then it does. Ethan. Ethan. Ethan yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, Ethan. yeah. So then when it does, you're like, oh, fucking shit. <laughs> like we, I, the whole time I'm <laughs> yeah. thinking it's going to be the other two. And I don't. I mean, I love it. I love the way it played out. Yeah. But also that's one storyline. I hope I just get more. I want to see. I want to see what unravels there. I want them <laughs> in the next season so badly. Well, I, you know what's funny is I think the way the way it goes off right is the whole concept of infidelity is that once you sort of know you've been lied to, like I don't know if you've been cheated on before, but oh, like, yes. but like that's the thing is like once you sort of get an inkling of like oh I was like once you know a little bit and you know that you were deceived a little bit, it opens up doubt about everything else, and so I think. The reason it's not explicitly telling you or there's not a scene that actually shows what happened. And like to Mike White's point, it's like he thinks all that did happen was they hooked up. But you're left to believe maybe there was more. And that belief is what would eat away at your significant other if they knew a little bit like, oh, we just hooked up. Did you only just hook up? I don't know. Like it's going to linger and fester for whatever. And. Like whatever happens post show, that relationship is fucked, right? Like him going I, off. Like, yes, one hundred percent. They're going to end yeah. up breaking up. Absolutely yeah. right. Absolutely worst vacation ever. <laughs> Hands down. Hands down. Yeah. And the um, fact that they break that stupid infidelity, uh, creepy head while they're banging. Right. Finally. Yeah. You know when Ethan because and they both cheated at that. They point. both cheated, so yeah. they they break it. And but it, to me, it's just like. Obviously a little bit symbolic, but I didn't, I don't know. I just, it's not that I disliked that storyline. I felt like it needed to happen that way to yeah. make the show the way it was. But also at the end of it, it's like, who wins? There's no one at the end of that oh, yeah. situation where you're like, who's the good guy here? Well, Nobody's the good guy. Nobody's the good guy, There's but it no seems like guys. Cameron, it seemed like Cameron won because he got everything he wanted. And that's what pisses me off. Cause like you're not, you don't want the bad guy to get everything he wants. And then no. second to that, out of that foursome, Aubrey Plaza is leading the charge the whole time because you know what Cameron wants. You know what Daphne wants. You kind of know what Ethan wants, even though like he doesn't, there's nothing he really wants. If anything, you don't, he, he doesn't even know what he wants. Right. He's like, you know, jerking off rich. Yeah. Yeah. Jerking off to porn, newly rich, not paying his wife. And then his wife's like, Oh cool. You want to, you want to like have sex right now? He's like, let's do it right now. Like then yeah. what the hell? Like what do you want? Okay, like I, what what do you what do you want or not want? The only person who's sort of swayed in any direction is Aubrey Plaza's character. She's the only person yes. who gets actually like moved around by other people's wants or needs or desires, and that's what makes it that little plot amongst those four people the most interesting to me because you actually get to see, you know, one person wanting a thing and then everyone else kind of or like four people, three people wanting something. And then one person sort of deciding the fate for the for the entire group based on her reactions, because, again, at some point, this is the only part that I'm, I wasn't really clear about is like, what the hell swayed her eventually? Right. Because like she was like, Cameron's a creep. He's a cre-, like just like douchey. I, honestly, dude. I feel like it was 
the fact that she couldn't get it out of her head that yeah. Ethan cheated on her while she was freaking held hostage. Yeah. And she was like, fuck you. You're yeah. willing to do that to me? Okay. I'm going to yeah. do the absolute. What's the absolute worst thing I could do to you? Oh, yeah. it's it's hook up with the person that you know I hate the most. Like, if I'm yeah. going to do this, it's clearly because I just want to say screw you the most. Yeah. Why the hell did they agree to this vacation anyway? <laughs> Why I did he go there? No idea. Yeah. Um, I got to be honest with you, though. I would still go to Sicily if super rich people wanted to take me, even if I hated them. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Um, even if, even if the other couple is going to make you question, uh, make you and your husband question your relationship, like you're just going to put it through those paces. I don't know. I can be pretty angry and scary, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I would have let as much slide as she did. Yeah. Um, and that, that was the other thing too, is like the entire time I think I'm on my seat and, and, or at the ed- edge of my seat, because in a lot of situations, right. Same thing with like Albie with, uh, Lucia is there's a lot of situations where it's like, oh no, this person is in danger. <laughs> this person is in a situation where someone's it's trying not, to manipulate yeah. them or, you know, um, and you get that, like, you know, your hairs in the back of your neck kind of stand up kind of thing where it's just like, oh no, this person's in danger. Like they're being led astray or like even when Aubrey Plaza's character is taken off to that other town, who's the name I forget um, with, with Daphne, like, I'm just like, oh, no, like they're manipulating her, like they're keeping her like they're. Yeah. To your point, you said it right. Kidnapping. <laughs> he kidnapped her. But I also felt like when that first happened, I was like, oh, he before she we explained why he, you know, she like plays the games with Cameron. I was like, oh, Cameron and Daphne must have planned this so that he could get Ethan alone so yeah. that he could get Ethan to agree to work with his company so that he could yeah. get control of it. like yes. i thought there were much more cahoots there than there were yeah and it ended up being more about the relationship dynamic between Daphne and Cameron than Cameron and Daphne working against yeah um Ethan and but i i don't know i just to me that that was definitely the star of the show but it was yeah. the most frustrating storyline yeah <laughs> but i also feel like probably because we've all kind of been the aubrey plaza where we've all been in a relationship and been like oh you're meaning to tell me the condom in the couch of our hotel room didn't belong to you yeah. on the night that i randomly got taken to another town yeah. as if yeah. you and your college buddy didn't plan this yeah there is also so, no chemistry between those two the whole time where i'm like how are we supposed to believe these two fell in love and they're and they're both young where it's like how I don't know how long ago these people got together, but there seems to be no chemistry whatsoever. Like at least Cameron uh, and his his wife Daphne, like they have they have chemistry. We see them personally together in their room, sort of like you know, giggling and having fun with each other. Yeah, yeah. But isn't that funny that like they had chemistry, so we thought, but their relationship was shit. And before they got there. It seemed like they were more roommates and friends than a relationship for um, Ethan and Aubrey Plaza's character. But yet they were the ones that had the most solid relationship coming yeah. to the resort. Yeah. And how qu- how quickly that can change. <laughs> yeah. Although that's the thing, too, because it's it's on the surface, right? Because even looking at like Ethan going for his run and then coming back and then getting into porn like. 
even that alone is like, all right, that didn't just happen because of what's happening on vacation, right? That's just this guy's MO. That's his routine. Yeah, Yeah. that's his routine. And I also just want to point out that he was so fucking gross and sweaty and then just laid on their clean bed after running without showering. And I like, I looked at my partner. I was like, I would fucking kill you if you did. That is disgusting. (laughs) He's so stinky right now. And it was beach running too. So he's got sand all over him and it's all sticking to his skin. So. Um, but yes, I feel like we could talk about this show for yeah. a quadrillion years. But I feel like we should we would be remiss if we didn't bring up two things. Yeah, we forgot to talk about Jennifer Coolidge winning. Uh, she won Best Actress, right? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And her speech was adorable. All her all her neighbors talk to her now, and they invite her to parties. They invite and her. And I parties. know this has nothing to do with the rest this episode, but let's have a callback because we are recording this the day after Brendan Fraser. Brendan Fraser won yeah. the, the award for best the actor. Critics Choice Award. Critics Choice Award. Yeah. Oh, that. And he cried. He uh, it's cried. award season. Uh, yeah. It's award season, folks. It's award season. So um, I'm sure we'll have more episodes where we get to talk about how Brendan Fraser or Jennifer Coolidge took home some awards. We do um, have to watch The Whale. So that will be coming. Yeah. That one. We promised. Yeah. We just, I have, neither one I, of us have watched it. I have one fun fact and then I'll come back around. I'm going to ask you uh, your opinions on things to wrap things up. One, I mentioned Mike White did um, that other TV show on HBO called Enlightened. Yes. Which starred Laura Dern, who has a cameo in this show. When? Uh, You don't actually see her. She is the voice. She is Dominic's wife who isn't at White Lotus. Oh, shit. Yeah. I want to rewatch that phone, the phone call scene because... Okay, now I want to rewatch it so I can listen to it. I love Laura Dern, so that's yeah. a great fun fact. So that's like the, um, what's his name with the gong in Knives Out? Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Joseph yeah. Gordon-Levitt. Yeah, yeah, it's just like that. Yeah, it's um, a good cameo. And then my second question to you, because I don't know, I I, went, I tried, I meant to ask this of you before about Michael Imperiola's character. Do you feel bad for him, or do you do you feel like he um, do you feel like he turned around? Because he comes in as he turns away the the prostitutes and then yeah. tries to straighten himself out, which apparently okay. the south of the south of Italy is not the best place to go cold turkey on. Not great. Your sex addiction. Not great. They're well. They're all very hot, but yeah. <laughs> I I just um I don't. Okay, I won't say I feel bad for him, but I definitely yeah. have empathy for him because it sounds like. He didn't have the best of childhoods and best of yeah. relationships with his father. And it's very interesting, right? Because Albie is keeping the peace and just like having this time with his father without picking sides. And then you can definitely tell he's pissed at his father, super pissed yeah. at his father for how he treated his mother. It's the exact same story yeah. for Dominic and his father, Bert, because... Yeah. He loves his father. He's there taking him, his father on this trip, but he's unpacking probably 40, 50 years of trauma of watching his father treat his mom like absolute crap. Yeah. And then now he's become the man he hated the most. So I do have empathy for him. And definitely towards the end, you're kind of like, okay, maybe there's hope. But like, you know, he buys that really expensive brooch for her and like yeah. all these things that he thinks are going to work. And it's just like, no, nah, buddy, like you, you really screwed it up. You screwed yeah. the pooch. So there's definitely empathy, but I don't feel bad for him. Well, do you, why do you think he gives his son Albie the money? Because I, I, 
you know, it could be a few different things. It could be he's buying his way into Albie's uh, sign off to the mom of like, hey, give dad another chance. Mm-hmm. Is it because he's trying not to lose his Because if he says no to his son, it he loses his son, right? He knows his son is getting scammed. So he knows the money's getting thrown away. I feel like it's a combo. I also feel yeah. like it's kind he kind of feels bad for his son. Like he yeah. he knows his son is nothing like him, right? In his yeah. in his head, you're nothing like me. You're going to be better than me. That kind of thing. Yeah. And then he's seeing this moment where he's like, "Oh shit, maybe maybe there is more of me in him and more of my father in me than I realized." Yeah. So it's definitely I think he's kind of buying a little love there, but yeah. also there's more maybe empathy coming from him to be like I know what's happening here. I've yeah. been there and this is a slippery slope and I'm going to give you this money, but hope, you know, again, maybe off camera, this is something he revisits and says, Hey, what happened? You know, in that yeah. situation, don't become like your father. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it starts off where, cause there's a point there too, where he's pretty clear about the fact that he's, he's like, if I give you this money, you'll, you'll do this for me. You know, it's yes. all that. And then, that changes a little bit where I think by the time he actually does give Albie the money that he knows is going nowhere. It's going nowhere. It's sort of to like, because the other option, the way Albie approaches him about it too, is like if he doesn't give his son the money, he's going to lose his son's respect and everything else. Right. It's not even about very little. His son may have left. for Right. Yeah. Right. And so, because he's there, they're obviously at the airport together and clearly Albie knows he was scammed at the end. And so even after his his father kind of told him, but his father still did it for him. And so now on the plane ride back to L.A., they get to sulk in, you know, like dad was right kind of thing. But let me do it anyway, you know, versus telling him no or he would have ran off and got scammed and, you know, um, also lost his father. So I think there is I think. You know, and it, and it's 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 a it's a tough spot. I think it's also a little bit manipulative on Albie's part. Like you don't blame yeah. the kid; he's super pissed at his dad. Yeah. But also at the same time, it's like you know he's going to give you the money for many reasons. Yeah, he wants you to put in a good word with your mom. Right, and you're also basically saying like, give me this money or you're dead to me. Yeah. So yeah. again, at the end, you know that Albie character kind of comes full circle. He's not that sweet innocent boy that he came to Italy as. He's leaving. Yeah a little bit different, a little bit more like his dad and grandfather than he started. Yeah. Um, to wrap things up, I was going to ask you, do you have a favorite character from, we could break it down season one and season two, but I'll just, you know, start and, uh, yeah. Do you have an overall Overarching, favorite character? I love Jennifer Coolidge. Like yeah. she is just, I feel, like feel like we should take her off the table. Let's take <laughs> yeah. her off the table. Cause yeah. we know that that's going to be it. Season one, definitely Armand. Yeah. Hands down. I thought he was just incredible. He was so good. He was just, yeah not a face I'm very familiar with and just killed it. I mean, his character is incredible. Season two is kind of hard for me because I really, I, I liked Bert's character a lot and like a cute level. Like, I just feel like he played that perverted grandpa perfectly, (laughs) but Portia to me was probably my favorite character of season two. Portia. Yeah. I really liked her. Yeah. I was mad at her, but I did like her character. (laughs) What? What? The, the thing is about her character, we didn't really get into her as much, but I will say I was almost annoyed with her because there was so many things that happened. I'm like, how are you this oblivious? Like, how are you how are you letting this happen to yourself? How are you sort of 
you know, not like when her phone went oh, disappeared and when she was able to get uh, the yeah. Jack's phone. Why did you try calling your phone and figuring out where the phone was? Or I just feel like she was searching for so much on this trip. Like she yeah. really thought that she was going to have like the trip of a lifetime. This, you know, like she's on the phone with her friend in the beginning. Yeah. She's going to have this Italian adventure, and oh, she yeah. sees Jack is like, "This is my Italian adventure. This is what I wanted. Yeah. I wanted to get railed by some hot Italian dude, even yeah. though he's not Italian. No, but like he's from she's in Italy. <laughs> yeah, he's from yeah. Essex, and I felt like she." as a person is just searching for something to fill whatever void is inside of her. You can tell she's a very depressed person yeah. and all these things were happening to her and they were happening so quickly that I feel like her decision-making skills were gone out the window. She was yeah. like overjoyed with, to be in the situation that she was in. She was like getting love bombed by him and she was yeah. just taking it all in. Yeah. Um, who are your favorites? I will say it was, and I'll, I'll just mention this for a second. So season one, man season one is tough i mean and i think part of it too is like i'm I'm always drawn to like i loved you know steve zahn in general and mm-hmm. like but like i don't know if i liked i like him in it i like i like okay. the fact that we got to see steve zahn um i think i don't know i will say i think not and like a, i like the character but like as far as like played well and everything i think shane and that character Okay. He's yeah. so like just dynamic and he's all over the place and he's such a shitty person. You just love to hate him. Yeah. Yeah. You love to hate him. Exactly. I think that's fair. I mean, Molly Shannon, probably my favorite just because she's so reminiscent of mother characters that I'm like, yeah, I know she plays that perfectly. So I'll say oh, she killed it. Yeah. Love to hate him. But Shane and then like love to like love how accurate is uh, Molly Shannon as Kitty. Second season Man, it's tough. Um, I will say what I was going to say is the characters we didn't really dive into much. And I loved the fact that, you know, the the two prostitutes, uh, Lucia and uh, Mia, we didn't really talk about Mia. And I love her story arc is like she just wants to be a singer. And whereas I think the juxtaposition between Lucia sort of hustling her way through things like to make money and all that. Versus Mia, who does try to hustle a little, little bit, but then once she has kind of the opportunity, she to almost kill someone with Viagra. Yes, That's not Viagra. <laughs> but her relationship with Valentina, where they sort of find each other and they both are looking for something, I think it's a really beautiful story. And I think Valentina, who is like this older woman, who's literally like she's a lesbian, never been with another woman, right? Almost afraid to explore. Her sexuality. Throws herself into her work, yeah. Like, the fact that Mia unwraps her a little bit on her birthday where she's, you know, also, like, the the worker there that she's sort of been eyeing and crushing on turns out buys that... Buys a present for. Yeah, she buys her the little, uh, what do you call it, the little pin. Starfish like, brooch, starfish. yeah. Um, well, it turns out she's, you know, engaged to the other dude who works there that, that Valentine is always, you know, giving shit to. She's heartbroken. And then who's there is Mia, who is it for her own benefit a little bit, but at the same time, too, like you see it after after she gets the gig, after all that, she's clearly there and wants to be her friend. Yeah. And she want and like, you know, they found each other where they're both looking for something and she needs this and she needs this. And so it's together, probably the only beautiful storyline of second it really season. is. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just like it was just nice to kind of see like. 
you know, Valentina, who's like, yeah, to your point, like buried in her work. Obviously, she's like one of the first people we see in the in the first episode when, um, you know, whenever like, well, when the murders happen and she's uh, yeah. called to it, but also um, has one of the best lines of the show that was improvised, uh, which is when Jennifer Coolidge comes up and she says, you know, I forget what the line is. I'm going to butcher it, but it's like something like, you know, people say I'm like a, you know, like a. They re- I remind them of a of like a famous like character from American culture. And she's like, Peppa Pig. Yeah, that was so good. Apparently there was a that bunch was of really lines good. that she just threw out there and improvised. And that was the one that landed the best. Uh, was the Peppa, Peppa Pig. Pig one. I like laughed very yeah. hard. <laughs> but just her delivery. I think Valentina. Uh, I won't try to pronounce her name. Even as an Italian, I can't pronounce it right. Um, Sabrina. I'm not going to do it. Um, but. She was great. I thought I I liked her character. I liked her comeuppance and her like sort of, you know, victory that she sort of finds herself in by befriending someone that she was just like rolled her eyes at. And, you know, um, I love that story. Um, Agreed. Yeah. I don't know. I like that. For some reason, I like thought that every other story was breaking my brain. Aubrey Plaza no, I'm glad you brought into- that up because yeah. it falls under the radar, but it is really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just like, you know, yeah, like this and the, and Mia getting to sing, you know, and, and she's clearly better than the guy who was there before anyway. And people, she's actually <laughs> talented. That scene was so funny. Yeah. In the, in the little church, in uh, the church, like, and yeah, she's like, ah, here you go. Take two. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, she was she was trying to get her. OK, you know. so and season three is going to be about death. So we've got that to look forward to. Yeah, I can't wait for all the death in season. Can't three. wait. <laughs> That's what they're saying. They're saying it's going to look hope at Greg um, dies. Um, and I think the quote is satirical and funny look at death and Eastern religion and spirituality. Um, okay, and it's excited. supposed to be set in Asia. So we, we, we shall see. Um, I'm excited. Yeah. So. Money, sex, Overall, death. I'm glad I watched this. It's yeah. one of those things that um, when it first came out, I was definitely like, oh, yeah, that sounds interesting. We should watch that. And then yeah. it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. And then second season came out and it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And the cast really was the reason if I was going to watch it was because yeah. of the cast. Yeah. But I'm glad that I did because I really thoroughly enjoyed it a lot. I, I yeah. loved it. And I will say, too, and, and I think this is a good way to put a bow on it is... I mentioned how the show almost had like a it, it the climax isn't this big unveil where you're like oh, I can't believe X Y Z like it's not that right I think this is one of those shows too that again the show doesn't lie to you I I got to give it a lot of credit for that it doesn't try to persuade you into like you know s- setting your expectations up and then knocking them over just for the sake of like a shock and. There isn't a giant climax, really. Except, except, I mean, the the show sets you up. It is a mystery in the sense of, like, there are people dead or a person died. Who done it? Who who is it? But then, really, it's just about the story. Like, it is is the the journey. You can't just be like, oh, I just want to find out who did it. And then, you know, like, that be it. To the point, like, we talked about um, Glass Onion and, and Knives Out. You can just skip to the end and be like, oh, that's who did it? Cool, okay. Like, the journey is the fun part, but at the same time, it is all about the mystery. This show is not all about the mystery. And the fact that it's time boxed onto everyone is here for a one-week resort vacation. I love it. 
Yeah. Like, it is time box in the sense of, like, that's where the characters are. That's how long they'll be here. That is it. They have an expiration date. And they're, no one is on their home territory except for, you know, obviously, um, Valentina in season two. And then in season one, it's uh, Armand, who's your favorite. Um, which, they're the only ones who are there. And they're the help. So, um, yeah, so I really good. liked it. I'm looking forward to Me the next one. Me and too. I'm, yeah. That was awesome. So, yeah, that was cool. Fun. Fun time. And now I want to go to both the I was South and Italy. I literally was just about to say, I can't wait to find out where else I want to vacation yeah. after the third season. <laughs> I just want the White to, Lotus take me. I well, Honestly, as I'm watching it too, and especially since like, you know, season two uh, sort of just aired, that's where I was like, oh man, I would like to go. Maybe that would be a cool vacation. But at the same time, you know now it's going to be like very popular because oh, of, of course yeah absolutely so maybe now if i go to maui from season one everyone's worried about going to italy at yeah we're going two. to sicily so yes yeah. we'll wait and then when everyone else is in um whatever beautiful country in asia that they choose yeah. we'll be in sicily it's gonna exactly. work out great <laughs> yeah you gotta you know delay your uh your your white lotus vacations the White Lotus tour, yeah. And to remember, don't don't try to stay in the uh, infidelity room. That's that. No, no, I don't. I don't know why that's it's a, there? That's a bad call. What hotel designer? Yeah, I don't want it. Yeah, yeah, perfect for newlyweds. Actually, you know, it's funny. I'm surprised Molly Shannon's character didn't send her son and to the <laughs> to, to Sicily <laughs> to the infidelity room. So, all right. Well, it was fun. Good time. This was fun. It's good talking to you. Bye, guys. See you next time. Bye. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.